back, everyone. I know it's been a while since we've had this show, but welcome to the Know the Game podcast. I'm Ryan Conwell, the NCAA editor and analyst at Lacrosse All-Stars. Now, I know it's been a little while since we dropped our last episode, but rest assured, we are going to be back with force. So I've got a great episode lined up for you this week, and I've got a new one coming uh, right behind it, which I think is going to be a really big one for you, especially if you're an MLL fan. Uh, some really interesting conversations coming up there. Now, the really big thing that I do want to mention to everyone is you might have noticed if you get this podcast through the standard Lacrosse All-Stars feed that a new show has popped up. If you got a link to this some other way, maybe directly to the show and you haven't seen the whole series or you don't know about what else is going on. But we are working at Lacrosse All-Stars to really build up a podcast network. Now what that means, a podcast network is really intended to have several different shows covering a variety of different topics. And we want to talk about, obviously, lacrosse, but talk about it in different ways with different people. A big way that we are doing that is we now have Cassie Brunel, who is running a show called Outside the Eight. Now, if you're a lacrosse fan, you probably recognize eight as a uh, little bit of a reference to the eight meter mark within women's lacrosse. That is because it will be a show about women's lacrosse specifically. So, Cassie's based out on the West Coast, and kind of like this show, she's going to put a lot of emphasis on in-person interviews, which may mean that every once in a while there, there could be a little bit of a break here or there, but she's got a pretty good lineup already set to go. So I think um, you're going to be able to catch that on a pretty weekly basis and start hearing some different perspectives of the game, maybe some voices that you don't hear about too much. And when you talk about growth within the women's game at the NCAA level, especially at the D1 level, obviously you're looking at Florida coming out of nowhere to being a powerhouse. And you now have Stanford, you have USC, you have all these really big, well-known schools. But there's a whole bunch of other ones out there that maybe you never heard of, but they're playing D1 lacrosse. They're playing in places that you don't normally see it. And Cassie's really helping shed a light on some of those stories that are going to be really interesting to listen to. But this week, I am actually bringing a little bit of a full circle for 2018 for me. So when I first started recording these, you know, there are a couple of episodes were based in the LaxCon. Um, while Lax All-Stars was down at LaxCon, we talked to lots of people. Um, you know, people come in from all over the world, all over the country for many different reasons. Some are selling you things. Some are just there to learn. Some of them are there to teach others. Some of them are there just to take everything in. It's kind of, um, it's one of the biggest events you can go to. So, while we were there, someone came up to us wearing an Argentina lacrosse hoodie. And, you know, there was a whole group of them. And then um, they got introduced to us and we found out that this was basically the leadership board behind Argentina lacrosse. It actually come up from Argentina. And they were ready to tell us their story. You know, what is their background? Where did they come from? Why are they playing lacrosse? All that good stuff. So... What I have for you is an interview with the Argentina lacrosse GM, Mariano Flores Reyes, who is a player. He's helped running the entire organization, and he can give you some great history into where they came from. 
Now, the reason why I say it's full circle is this interview is from January. But after the interview, I'm actually going to give you a little bit of a snippet as how Argentina actually did and how Mariano did while he was over in Netanya this past summer. I was able to connect with him when he was there, which was excellent being able to actually see him again, um, you know, talk to him a little bit more in depth about how things were going. And then we actually got to see the results on the field between how they did in Denver, how they spent the past couple of years, and how that turned into actual results for Argentina. So without further ado, I'm going to bring you our interview with Argentina lacrosse GM Mariano Flores Reyes. All right, welcome back. This is Ryan Conwell from Lax All-Stars, and I am here in Baltimore at the lacrosse convention once again with Marianos Flores Leas. He is with Argentina Lacrosse, and we are very excited to have him here because he is going to open our eyes to what lacrosse in South America is like. So welcome on. Well, thank you very much for having us. And uh, well, that's a big responsibility to open the eyes of the people about what's going on in South America. We'll we'll give our best shot. So, really quick, um, take about a minute or so. What what is your background like? So, what's your playing background like? How did you get exposed to lacrosse? And um, what's the background of Argentina lacrosse? Well, Argentina lacrosse is the oldest program down in South America. We were first exposed to lacrosse by the FIL uh, around the early 2000. Um, we had a couple of clinics held down there. I wasn't there, but it was like 13 years old at the moment, so I didn't have anything to do with it. But uh, that was kind of the first wave, the first time somebody was exposed at uh, with lacrosse in Argentina. Uh, and after a couple of, I would say, years, but probably it was a year and a half, that didn't didn't work out and those guys that started the sport just walked away of it and never never heard about it again and after a couple of years uh the more the more young generation the second generation of lacrosse uh picked picked it up about 2009 and on the first workup we assisted was 2010 in in manchester uh at the moment we didn't really know about the rules we didn't know how to play lacrosse or what was lacrosse at all at, at the moment we just picked up a couple of broomsticks with some bleach bottles on the top cut it up start passing around with a with a tennis ball and about two weeks before the war games itself we got our first set of gear and we took our first stick in our hands like two weeks before playing the games uh so well that was kind of the preparation we had for our first game and 
well, after that, we, we grew a lot. We're now, after eight years of that moment, we're now a full member of the FIL. We're going for our third war game in Israel this summer. And we are actually part of a new organization that's taking part right now. That's the Pan-American Lacrosse Association, in which, uh, at least until the, the, the next uh, global assembly, I will be the president of that organism. Uh, moving forward so it's kind of a huge step for us to be involved in this kind of, of organizations talking about continental level of competition potentially a lot of work to do on development on our area South America hasn't been exposed to many uh, plans of development that deep plans and, and prepared we're we're trying to work with our with our neighbors. We have a great relationship with Chile, a very good relationship with Peru, that are our closest countries that play lacrosse. We have a great relationship with Colombia too. Uh, Latin America is working really hard. Probably Mexico would be the the most the most developed uh, program, and they are working with us on this on this new project of the Pan American Lacrosse Association, along with Bermuda, Jamaica. Uh, IT, we're building a really, really big uh, community. Puerto Rico is centering as well. So we're really going forward on getting a really strong part of lacrosse on this part of the world, I believe. Uh, I actually find that fascinating that you didn't get your first real set of gear until two weeks before the World Games. And you compare that to some of the other countries where uh, most countries start lacrosse because an expat you know, goes over, they have their stick with them, and, you know, they, they start a, a league or, you know, they get a clinic going and they just notice there's no lacrosse going on, so they, they start it. Or you have someone that sends an equipment donation, even if it's just sticks and, you know, something at a basic level. You guys actually just made your own sticks and just like, hey, this, this is just a fun game. Let's let's get it going. Yeah, basically that's that's about it. We... At the first time the clinic was held, the FIL sent this huge like amount of, of gear that got stuck in customs at the moment. <laughs> We're talking about 20 years from that moment right now. And that stuff is still in customs by now. Argentina is really complicated in terms of importation, and it's really expensive to, take, to move that kind of thing. So actually that donation, we always laugh about it with, with the guys on the FIL because that's, that's a this fact, that, that's a fact. It actually happened. They sent a whole bunch of stuff that it's being held on customs team today. So. If, if you ever get your hands on that, that could be a great fundraiser is sell all the old gear from that point back in the U.S. as throwback. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's vintage, vintage, vintage <laughs> at all. But we would have to sell it like super expensive because we would need to spend a lot of money to get that out, out of customs <laughs> right now. You have to think about 20 years of taxes, a lot of money. That's amazing. Um, what was that first World Games experience like going over to Manchester? You had just gotten this fresh gear. Like you said, you didn't know that much about what lacrosse really was like. So, I mean, I'm guessing you learned pretty quick. Yeah, well, we learned pretty quick that we didn't know anything. That's what we did really, really quick. Uh, I guess it was a super, super encouraging and 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 useful experience for all of us, but on a sports perspective, well, we, we didn't have much to offer. We were just a couple of guys getting to know a sport, but you have to believe 
that 10, 20 guys that just arrived. That, that doesn't really doesn't really happen in any other sport. Uh, we didn't know the rules. We didn't know if, if it was a foul, if it wasn't, where to do the, the substitutions, when, how. A lot of things that for everyone that plays across today, it comes natural for us. We are a soccer uh, culture, you know. Like there are no subs. <laughs> <laughs> there are no subs. You score one goal and that's it. You know, it's kind of a different game. You you, you don't get to to the point of strategy or 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 to to have to be so defensively organized or so such or such coordination or such thing and such such movement. And in Argentina, well, we are not strategically uh, firm we're, we're people that in general are more than a bit disorganized in every in every aspect of life and lacrosse is not the exception so we have to make a cultural breakthrough on that point uh, and get our guys to understand how important it is to be positional to be serious on, on everything that has to do with movements and, and, and formations and all that things came to us years after our first game you right. have to think that the first time we played a full game, it was our first game on a World Championship. So it's <laughs> crazy. Who was it against, thing. by the way? Uh, I think it was France. Okay. Yeah. yeah France we'll has a, a pretty good program developing, too. So that's a that's Yeah, a nice we, we lost. Yeah. We lost. <laughs> um, how did that change in Denver? Well, Denver was, was a huge difference. Uh, for Denver, we brought... Uh, really good team in in terms of a developing program um we we worked really hard we we got a really good coach uh involved on that he's a guy from from colorado he's uh ben brenneman he coaches uh high school there and we got in touch with him via some other guy that works for switzerland it's called scott highland that used to be coaching in in west coast and we got to be a team at that point. We really played better. We had a really rough group in 2014. We had Wales, we got New Zealand, and we got uh, Russia. So we got a, a tough team, tough teams to be, to play with. We lost all games in that <laughs> that line as well. But I can tell you that in a in a level of uh, of play, we we, we were pretty decent at that point and we actually won a game that that game so we played colombia and we beat them so it oh, was of course it's your neighbor too <laughs> yeah 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 they they are running high in that one oh it, it got it got a, a bit uh spicy at the end <laughs> uh we're latins we're we we feel the sport we we're really passionate about it and well it got a bit uh, picante, we say in Spanish. <laughs> it got a bit picante at the end, but uh, it was fun. And well, after that game and all the games after that, we're we're brothers basically. We're working together to grow the sport in our part of the world. So, in it doesn't matter if you play, you win or lose. The most important thing is that you keep on playing. So uh, it was it was amazing. We that same day we played the finals on the football World Cup. Uh, we lost that day, so it was a mixed emotion day, but well, <laughs> it was fun. Now, I, I'm curious how much at those World Games were you able to watch the other teams playing? So U.S., Canada, Iroquois, um, even you know the, the other countries that you don't think about as much, like Japan, like Germany, that have a lot of homegrown players there too. How much were you able to watch and learn from them? 
we we actually have a really tight relationship with the German program. And we had a, a couple of Germans coming down to Argentina every now and then, and and we really think that they are kind of the model of of a world uh, of a world perspective. If you want to be like somebody, you need to be like Germany. I would say that. Um, I have some. I feel like some of your soccer friends are going to be very upset with you for saying. <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. We actually we're we're close with with a couple of Germans that were in the German team, and we watched the the entire World Cup. The, so the soccer World Cup, we watched it together. But the the finals, they say, okay, you go with your team. We'll watch it on our own. Um, but yeah, uh, we learned a lot about uh, mostly about the organization part how how to how to build a federation out of those guys uh and well japan the us canada they are they blow your mind i mean uh, we we are we are everything we are exposed to across is via uh, youtube via instagram via social media in general and you have to think that those guys that you see uh, and you think it's impossible for me to do that or how do i get to that level what do I do? You watch them play, and and you think, well, these guys fly, and and you get better, and you you just try to imitate, to to grow on that level, and and to see what they do, how they do it, and then you meet them on the on the halls, uh, outside the fields, and they are like you and me, you know, like regular people that just got the the fortune of getting a stick on their on their hands and and be really good at it, you know, uh, so. We learned a lot about how teams work uh, and how how to build something around this huge community that it's the world across, you know. So we learned we learned a lot out of those guys. One of the things I'm curious about when you talk about learning from other countries is how much are you actually able to watch when you are home? Um, so you mentioned things like YouTube. Um, are you able to watch MLL games at all? Are you able to watch other countries play? There's, um, you know, games that wind up streaming a lot. Are you able to actually see any of them? We actually are, are really hooked up with the NCAA. We watch a lot of NCAA back in Argentina. Um, and also we do, uh, not now more than, than before, we watch a lot of MLL. We, we got a couple of guys coming down to Argentina even. We got Adam Taylor and, and Scott Radcliffe this this past Christmas. Oh, excellent! They, they spent Christmas Scott, and Scott's especially a guy that's going to teach you a lot. Adam yeah. too, but you know Scott's one of the best players in the world right now. Yeah, those guys just held a couple of clinics down there, just super fun. Um, but yeah, we watch a lot of games through that, and we watch the European tournament also via streaming via via YouTube. Uh, we watch a couple of. Premier uh, Israel Premier League on on Facebook Live, so we are actually pretty. We have about uh, decent access to games. So what are some of the things that, just from a knowledge standpoint, you need more assistance in? So, if coaches come down, what is it that you want them to work at? Is it like you were talking about with the the team aspect of you know a defense or an offense playing together? Is it you know how to put together true clears or rides. Like, wh what are the things that you feel you miss the most that are tough to teach yourselves? Well, we we have an issue that that has to do with with no who with having no coaches uh, that were players before. 
we do have a coach right now that's Argentinian, but he's also a player. So in that mixed uh, activities, it's complicated to to carry both both activities with 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 excellence. He's really good, and he's actually a freak about the sport. He he lives, breathes, and and only talks lacrosse. So the guy, it's really into it, and it's the best guy we can get. But I think he will be getting better once he steps aside and leaves the the field and i think that starting from there getting coaches down there players coming down giving clinics uh are, is the way for us to grow i think that's our, our main issue having an, an specialist in defense that comes down and teaches how to defend some face-off guy that comes down and say here's the power clamp let's do this let's do that uh great attack man that we, we we got to make a lot of guys that come down to Argentina f- for tourism or something and they just f- generously give away five days or their weekend or their of their vacations yeah. with us and just go and train and do whatever they do 24-7 dur- during the rest of the year they spend their holiday teaching us what they do so we, we are all bo- always super grateful of those things, but those are the things that get us to the next level and playing better and better. And on on a more longer scale view, I would say officiating. Yep. Officiating, it's it's kind of the most restricted area right now. Nobody wants to be the ref. Uh, you have to go play, and you kind of you will never raise your hand and say, "Okay, I want to be the ref." It, right. it never happened in any sport, and lacrosse is not the exception. So, we're we're struggling with that. But other than that, I think that's that's the way we need to go. So, how big of a program do you have right now? How many players? How many different ages? Um, you know, what does Argentina lacrosse look like? Well, as of today, we had about two hundred and fifty players, uh, men, playing 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 lacrosse, amongst which we have. About 25, 30 U19 players. Uh, we have 60 girls playing with also about 10 or 50 uh, U19 girls working with, with us. Uh, we have six established club teams uh, across the country, and we're working with two more, trying to build them up. Uh, for this first quarter of the year and another one that's we are kicking to start right now but we don't know how much time will it take but that's kind of the perspective for this year having at least three three new teams that would mean at least 60 more players um, and keep on growing on on that that rhythm so I'm curious when you mentioned the I mean that's a good number of club teams honestly for a growing program in a growing country um how are they organized do they work off of the existing soccer um clubs that you have because i know some countries like to do that there's a city with an athletics club and if you want to have a sport you go through that club and you can use an existing network Uh, and how much of is it is it just six different lacrosse people in different areas start a club (laughs) Well, basically, uh, it's six crazy people that one day just raise their hands and say, hey, I want to play lacrosse in my city, and we started. Uh, 
generally, the the clubs in Argentina have certain le certain number of sports that are more traditional. You have to imagine that lacrosse is really really unknown in Argentina. So right now, there are people that knows what lacrosse lacrosse is, but it will take a while until a club actually gives us access to to be one of those sports. So right now we are just some random people that rent the field and plays lacrosse. Um, most of the of the clubs that we started, they were started by by the federation, yep. uh, by going there, giving clinics, uh, submitting um, gear for people to start, and just monitoring the activity and trying to keep them working and going forward. Uh, we're incentiv we're we're really busting our. our uh, raising the level of our, our competition we're doing now five tournaments a year to get all of our, our guys playing together at one point in the in the in the country five times a year so that's that's huge yeah and in one of those tournaments we get chile and peru invited as well in buenos aires so that's kind of the most important tournament in the continent so we're trying to build that competition because we we realize that's the only way of getting new people to show them that it's fun and that they can be competing with somebody else. That's so really fun. You had mentioned the Pan Am organization earlier. Is that really, uh, I'm starting to understand, that seems like significantly more important so that when you do hold a tournament, you really can have a lot more teams involved as well as it gives you a reason to play more regularly. Is that really why you see that being especially important for building lacrosse? I believe that it will be a tool that will be really useful for for what we expect to achieve with with lacrosse. And I think it's it's kind of a desire of the the whole lacrosse community is that getting to be recognized as an Olympic sport. And on that on that order, we we got invited to participate on this new project that has to do with having a regional governing body in every part of the world. Other than that, I believe that organization-wise and, and competition-wise, it will be a boost for us. Uh, being able to to connect with all our, I would say neighbors, but kind of far away neighbors, but and it will be a main thing to do. Like, okay, let's go to the regional tournament. This is a new incentive for the guys that are starting because when we start to play lacrosse in Argentina, we can only offer you if you're good enough, you will play a World Cup. Now we have World Cups. We have national tournaments. And if we now manage to get a continental tournament, that would mean you'll have more and more opportunities to be involved in something that's huge that has to do with us. I am from a small town in Argentina called San Luis that it's 2,000 kilometers away from Buenos Aires that nobody ever picked up a lacrosse stick. And I'm talking to you here in Baltimore. Uh, about how do I know a guy from Germany that is that runs an amazing federation, and that's lacrosse. You know that that's what I try to offer to the guys that I invite to play. You can be part of something that's so big, and this Pan American Lacrosse Association will probably give us more and more tools to get more and more people involved, more and more people interested. And basically, for us, that we are already working on it. It's a new challenge, and it's something that will give us a lot more to rely on when we have to go and, and discuss with with brands for possibilities of sponsorship, partnerships, 
with governments to say, hey, man, I need to, I need you to provide me with a field because um, I know Bermuda, Jamaica, IT, and, and Puerto Rico are coming, and I need them to have a place to stay, and I need them to have a place to play. Yeah. And the Pan American Association is behind me. There you go. Help me. And I think it's it's something that will be really, really useful. Do you have any government funding right now? No. Right now, no. We don't. Because um, I know that's something that other countries have said really took them to the next level. Was Once they had the government funding, then all of a sudden they could bring their team to other countries more. They could hold more clinics by actually you know, paying for the travel, for example, of a coach to come down. Um, is that something that could happen and what types of things would need to happen for that to become an option well as of today uh, in argentina there's a ruling that determines that if you're not an olympic recognized sport you cannot apply for funding okay so until then we cannot depend on getting any funding from the government for for our, our purposes. So, so this discussion about getting lacrosse the Olympics is really important to your country. It's a game changer for I, I believe for everyone, but especially for us. And, and in my opinion, Argentina will turn upside down if if it actually happens. Um, but yeah, that that's what need, what needs to happen. In the meantime, we we've had some meetings with with sports people related on the on the government. We have some good responses, some are not so good, but uh, depending on who you ask, we have been uh, around and getting help uh, at certain levels, so we're, it's just about knocking doors. We're, we're people that never gets, gets tired of knocking on, on doors, we just need to knock the right door once in, a, in out of ten, and one out of ten we do it, so yep. we're working just on it. Have to get that one right door. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Um, I'm curious, when you talk about um, facilities, um, funding, uh, as well as just players in general, um, one of the things that some countries have found is that box lacrosse works out really well because it's smaller numbers, um, but that tends to be in countries where they have the ice rinks. Um, is, is box something that you see as being a big component in the future, or is it you know, uh, let's just focus on field and get that done. We currently do use uh, box-ish lacrosse, I would yep. say. Uh, <laughs> box-ish is definitely something <laughs> a lot of people do too. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't have the the ice cream. We we do we do have uh, what we call well, everyone calls uh, soccer fields, but we're super the, small. The football. football cinco, yeah, yep. football. And well, we use those fields when everyone's uh, uh, to play to play to play games we play four against four and we try to keep it active on that on that way because it's also really difficult you have to think that we have 200 players 250 players around the country we're a big country so it's difficult maybe to get 20 or 30 guys together to actually build a, a, a field across game so we actually get 10 okay let's do this we got 20, well, let's use a, a, f a football field a bit bigger, like football seven uh, and stuff like that, and we go from there. And if we manage to get f the whole team, well, let's play a field across. Uh, but uh, but we, we generally don't do it. We also train in smaller fields because we, we train soccer fields. That's what we can get access to. So <coughs> it has to do with 
with possibilities and, and how do we handle it. I believe box it's the next big thing that we're going to work on. But we play lacrosse. We play box lacrosse with uh, field equipment. We don't really right. care about it. So we just use the box because we cannot play field. Right. Basically, that's the answer. Yeah, and I know some countries do it where they are essentially playing box, but on a field too. You know, they'll maybe they have smaller goals, maybe they don't. You know, they'll just bring the goals closer together and do that because you know th- there is a rule set out there and a way of playing that does help with smaller numbers because like you said you have a lot of numbers but they're not in the same spot it's one thing to have 250 players in a city or in two cities it's completely different when you're talking that's the entire country <laughs> yeah for sure and, and more thinking about argentina it has a really really big uh big size uh so yeah we try to improvise as we go uh, we play as as field as we can. That's what I. That would be my answer. Like we play lacrosse as as much field as we can. If we can play a, a field lacrosse of four against four, we play a field lacrosse of four against four. If we get to play ten against ten, well, awesome. Yeah. Um, one last question before I go on to um, to to round things out. What is it that you would like to ask? You know, people listening to this program are you know mostly mostly North American or they're highly involved in their own countries. Um, what is something that you think Argentina needs from the lacrosse community in order to um, thrive? We are actually conducting, starting this year, a big uh, donation program of equipment, used equipment. Um, basically, we have three different models that we use. The first one is basically, well, you send your stuff to some of our friends living in the U.S., and we whether pick it up, send it through, or do whatever we we can do to get to get it into Argentina, and to the hands to a new player. That's the easiest. The other one is you go to Argentina. We offer you asado. We offer you a place to stay, and we offer you party, and you bring your stuff. We play a couple of games. We train a bit, and you get back to your home happy, a bit fatter probably. <laughs> but you will be with less weight coming back because you will be leaving your gear behind. Um, and the other one, well, we basically worked with a couple of guys from different colleges that, that basically put this basket on a side on the on the locker room and said donations for Argentina lacrosse, yep. and boom, it gets filled magically. So I don't know what happens there, but <laughs> those are three ways of working. So I would say that if if you're listening to this across whatever uh whenever you are uh we li- we need gear we need gear to get new guys to play use gear we don't care the brand we don't care the color we don't care about anything uh the model the uh, whatever i think based on your country's colors you would really like north carolina and hopkins to uh take a, a well, special interest right <laughs> that would be uh like perfect but we we had this huge huge hand given by by Syracuse, by by Princeton, we had a, a a great great donation from Colorado College as well. We 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 had a couple of great friends that are working with us on getting these kind of things organizing right now, and we have a body of ambassadors that we call around the the U.S. the United States. That if you wanna send us a message and and would be interested in participating, just hit us up on our social media. You can find us as Argentina Lacrosse, whether in Instagram or Facebook, or you can just 
to, uh, search for us in Google and log to our to our website and send me a message. I will get it straight to my inbox. So send it up, and I I will be sure to to give you a task. If you want a task, I can give you one. All right. So uh, just to round things out, there's five questions I ask everyone that's on. Um, first one is, what's just something funny that's happened this week? It can be just a funny video you've seen online, maybe something with your travels, something at the convention. It just You think back to it, and it just kind of makes you laugh. Well, I, I don't have to go too far. Uh, yesterday, actually, last night, we had the most amazing thing happening. We were at this, uh, after the convention and the meetings of the FIL, we, we just gathered the, the group of the new, the new federation, let's say, and we went to this bar just around the block here. And, well, we were wearing these sweet sweatshirts that we have. And we were just talking with, with some of the guys and just one random person comes by and he just touches the shoulder of one of my friends and say, I want to buy you your shirt. I want your watcher, your sweatshirt. He said, it's freezing outside. Like, what can I do? I will give you $100 for your sweatshirt. <laughs> and we said, what, are you sure? Yeah, $100 for your sweatshirt. I said, but it's used. It has four years. I'll give you 150 for your sweatshirt. So for your sweatshirt, give me your sweatshirt. And the guy was so, so intense about the sweatshirt. So we said, okay, $150, there you go, boom. So we exchanged. The guy just, as you see, I have my sweatshirt, so it wasn't me. The, yeah. the story is not about <laughs> me. Uh, but well, we just gave the guy the, the sweatshirt and we got my friend Rocky, that I say hello to him, he will listen to this afterward. He just went from the bar. Last night was, I don't know, under zero. Yeah, Celsius for sure. He was just walking on a on a shirt, but laughing and just flying with the money around, just <laughs> to say, uh, "This is the most expensive call that I ever had." Uh, so it was a crazy situation. Yeah. All right. Um, one other thing is, what was the last lacrosse game you watched for fun? The last lacrosse game I watched for fun. Well, it was this. Uh, it was in December. I watched the, I don't know, what's this, yeah, it was December, around Christmas, I think it was the Invitational Canada against USA, U19, U. Oh, yeah, the Brogdon Cup. Yeah. Yep. I watched that. That's awesome. That was a good one. Yeah, it's good. Um, what is something that you think people talk about with lacrosse too much that isn't that big of a deal? They talk with lacrosse? They, they talk uh, concerning lacrosse that people talk about too much. Too much. Uh, I would probably say clothing. Yep. Yeah. Apparel. I mean, hundred fifty dollars for a sweatshirt. People obviously care. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that that's something that people talks a lot about in lacrosse. Yeah. Um, what do you think people do not talk about enough? Uh, I would say international competition. Yep. Um, all right. Last one. I know you'll like this. If Somebody gave you $50 million to spend in lacrosse somehow. How would you do it? Well, $50 million in South America is a lot of money. So I would do probably a couple of fields to be able to ensure the growth of what we do. So I have a couple of good lacrosse fields uh, across the country, not just a major place, but some yep. random places. And uh, probably I would get like the most huge, uh, I don't would say store, but just buy whatever I can buy and just go around countries 
yeah. and get it get it things done. Uh, I've I noticed that that's the way that we did it, like buying a lot of stuff from our own money and just go and say, okay, you want to play across the goal. You have a stick, you have a helmet, you have a glove, yeah. and you have a pair of, of elbow pads. Go and play. Uh, so that's the only way we found that really works for for lacrosse. And the final part, I will give a little more money just to some random schools or stuff. Say, okay, how much money do you need yep. to get me inside yep. and play lacrosse with your 500 guys? Help me with that. Yep. I like it. So anywhere on that list is it getting that stuff out of customs? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that, now, now that you mentioned <laughs> Just it. Just to do it. <laughs> I really think that would be a good investment, though. Uh, so I'm thinking I'm, I'm, you're giving me something to think about on the way home. So, yeah. All right. So I, those are all the questions I had for you. want to thank you for your time. I'm glad you were able to make it up here to Baltimore and you could chat with us. Hopefully you learned a lot up here that you can bring back down and uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys can do on the inter international stage. And we hope to keep seeing you coming back to these world games, getting more wins. And uh, thank you very much. Okay, Ryan, thank you very much for for the opportunity of getting to know you and getting to, to participate on this program. It's super fun. And, yeah, hopefully we'll have a, an awesome year coming ahead of us. It's a pleasure for me, and thank you again for the for the opportunity. All right, thank you. Okay, and like I said, I was going to give you a little bit of a view of how Argentina did this year over in Netanya. So you heard some really crazy stuff about how Argentina lacrosse was formed and the kind of state that they were in before those Denver games. So in Denver, they were 34th final ranking out of 38 teams. So pretty close to the bottom there. This year, they managed to finish 29th out of the 46 teams that were competing. And for reference, the teams that they finished right next to, they were just behind Hungary. They were behind Hong Kong, who, if anybody there was watching Hong Kong play, that was a pretty impressive team. They were behind Czech Republic, Sweden, Austria, Slovakia. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at some pretty good teams right there up, up ahead of them. Behind them, you have Belgium, Spain, Poland, France, Denmark, Korea. Now, here's the interesting thing is when you actually look at who they leapfrogged. So by going from 34 out of 38 up to 29 out of 46, you're jumping over some teams. They managed to improve their standing compared to Poland, Bermuda, Mexico, China, Turkey, Russia, Belgium, Korea, Uganda. With the step up that they had this year, their schedule, they managed to play Sweden twice, and they lost to Sweden both times. So that was kind of their... Their rough matchup, they also lost to a very strong Greece team, but they beat Hungary, who they actually finished behind in the statings, which is kind of a rough draw there. In fact, they beat Hungary by quite a bit. They beat the Czech Republic team. They did not beat Slovakia. They did, however, beat Spain head-to-head -head by four goals, and then they finished with a win over Belgium. So congratulations to Mariano, congratulations to all of Argentina lacrosse, and anyone that's listening, you heard Mariano's tips of how you can help out and help them grow the game down there in Argentina. If you want to show up with a bag full of gear, they will more than happily let you jump in a game with them. Always remember when you can, 
take some of that extra gear, help get it out there, get it to some of these international programs because they are putting it to great use and they're really helping everyone grow the game internationally. So thank you and I will catch you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time.